Good morning. Welcome to Jesus and Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And this morning we are starting in Proverbs chapter 12. Let's pray and get moving. Father, we come before you now. Thank you for this morning. As we study your word, teach us new things, help us to see truth in this and see how it connects with other parts of scripture. Just draw us near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Proverbs 12 continues this trend of Solomon where he is pretty much writing for fortune cookies. <laughs> each verse is like a little fortune cookie statement. Okay, so each one we crack another one open and read it. The difference is these actually make sense and they are practical for everyday life. And they are based on truth. <laughs> so, not saying all fortune cookie statements, you know, are worthless and pointless. But um, these are much better. And I think somebody should make some and put all these verses in there. Okay, so we're going to look at six verses instead of five. And the main reason I'm doing that is because verse six, verse five and verse six kind of go hand in hand. So I was just going to do five verses, but we'll just do this today. Um, that's why I don't have, well, you'll see here. That's why I don't have verse six labeled up there. All right, so let's go ahead and read verse 1 here. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Now, in the literal Hebrew, this word, it's, it's worded a little bit differently. The word stupid is not used. The word brutish is used in place of it. And they relatively mean the same thing. When someone's brutish, it means literally that they are not thinking like a human being kind of is is the idea behind it they're brutish they're they're animalistic in their thinking they're not they're not processing things like your average human being would process so they put the word stupid in there that's dumb and capable of being able to comprehend and understand something so it's a very very offensive thing that that is he's saying to call someone brutish or to call them stupid but it makes perfect sense, right? Because the one who loves discipline loves knowledge. Because discipline or reproof here, it's all about getting corrected. It's all about being taught. Um, it's you, No one likes someone who comes into a classroom and they act like they know better than the teacher. They don't want to listen to the teacher because they know better. Or someone who, who is being um, maybe counseled or directed or taught and and people giving their opinions about certain situations and things and someone gets really really defensive and they get offended that someone would even give their opinion and most most of the time that's a sign of the person's insecurity a person who is very very insecure is very very is on a very short fuse okay insecurity is linked to having a short fuse and having a very defensive mindset and not willing to listen to someone else's correction or reproof and we should all be willing to listen to that because although we may disagree with the person someone may give reproof or, or, or correction from their point of view and you think about it and you're like mm, i don't think that's right i don't agree with that i'm not going to do it that way but there's no sense in you getting offended by it why would you get offended by it are you really that insecure that you're going to get offended when someone comes up to tell you that maybe you should do something different? Come on now. Get over yourself. Um, you know, let that go. 
Don't hold on to things like that. That's evidence of insecurity and lack of confidence in your own relationship with God. Because if you're satisfied in your relationship with God, why don't you care what other people think? You shouldn't. So whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Someone who's willing to listen to other people, listen and learn from everyone, even people who don't have the same faith as you. Yes, we can learn from people who are not believers. And it's good for Christians to listen to non-believers for the sake of learning their perspective and really putting yourself in their shoes so you can better relate the gospel to them. That's love, okay? But he who hates reproof is brutish, is stupid. This is a good rule of thumb. Christians should not be so insecure that they get offended when anyone tries to give some opinion or advice on something. We should listen. Verse 2, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he contemns. This is just a straightforward verse here. And he's kind of said this already in numerous ways. Now, a good man, what is a good man? Um, a good man is a man who seeks to be righteous. And we're going to talk about righteous down here again um, in a couple places. The thoughts of the righteous here. So righteous and good, they're kind of going to be lumped in the same category. So a good man obtains favor from the Lord. Well, he's good because he is seeking after the Lord first. He's looking at God's guidance. And it's no surprise that this verse comes right after this one here. Because a good man is going to be someone who listens to the discipline and reproof that comes from the Lord, right? Because a good person, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge. He, he wants to learn more, wants to learn more about God. He's willing to accept correction or accept um, someone correcting him because of his mistakes. Because here's the deal. It, the truth is people have more respect for other people who are willing to admit that they were wrong about something, to, to recognize that they are wrong. It's hard to have respect for people who think they never do anything wrong, or even when someone calls them out on something, they try to justify their actions in some way. Sometimes it's good to just say, you know what, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. That was my fault. I made a mistake. I want to learn from it, and I want to do better. That's the type of person I want to follow. When a person says that, my respect for them elevates. It does not decrease because they made a mistake. It elevates because they recognize they made a mistake. Um, so admit when you're wrong. Accept that. And humble yourself and learn from those mistakes and move forward. People will respect you so much more. All right, verse 3. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. I love this verse, especially with what I preached on yesterday. Um, I talked about, um, you know, how people that are confident in their faith, they don't doubt. I've been preaching through Hebrews. It talks about drifting from God's word and doubting God's word and, and becoming dull towards God's word um, because the, the Jewish Christians were dealing with persecution, so they were starting to slip back away from their faith because of the persecution. So someone who is rooted, rooted in truth, the root of the righteous, a righteous person is someone who is putting God first and they are, they are seeking to honor God, loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So 
The term righteous, oh man, I go in so many directions with this. I'm kind of bouncing all over. Sorry, but there's a lot of stuff coming in. Even though I've studied this, it's a lot more stuff coming in. So a righteous person, what makes them righteous is the basic foundation that they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, or they are seeking to do that. They are trying their hardest to do that. We're still tempted to love the world. We deal with that as Christians because we have a sin nature. We're living in a sinful world. But our goal, our motivation, we are working and fighting to love God more than anything. That is the foundation of what makes a person righteous. That is the foundation of what makes a person good. That is Proverbs 1, 7 which is the theme verse of all of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is just another way of saying, I love God more than anything else. You respect God. You put him first. So the root of the righteous is rooted and gripped hold of. It's wrapped around tightly in, in the earth on the nutritional soil and, and, and solidified um, foundation of loving God. That is what the root of the righteous has hold of. Now, God is the creator of everything, right? So God cannot be taken from you. He cannot be stripped away. He cannot be moved. He cannot be dug up out of the ground that the roots are, are held onto and thrown away so that the roots don't have support anymore. He cannot be moved. God cannot. Therefore, to root yourself on him, to grip hold of him, to hold fast to him is the best stability you can ever have in life. So when persecution comes and challenges come your way in life, you will have something to hold you upright, to give you strength, and to continue to give you the nutrition you need to grow into a large plant that produces fruit. Okay? So the root of the righteous cannot be moved. The roots and what it's holding on to is God himself, and they cannot be moved. And we need to take that seriously. This goes hand in hand with the other verse that um, it says, you know, lay up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. Because if you lay up, if you root yourself on material things of the earth, they can be dug up and thrown away. They can be destroyed. They will have thieves break in and steal them, and then the moth and rust will destroy them. That's why you don't lay up your treasures on earth, because if you root yourself around material things, they will disappear one day and you will have no foundation. And your little tree or whatever that was growing will just be pulled up and tossed away and burned. You root yourself around the Lord. That can't happen. The treasures in heaven are your relationship with God. To seek him first, to love him most all, that will not be taken. Moth and rust can't destroy that. Thieves cannot break in and steal that. That's the idea behind it. But see, here's what the world has done. I threw Romans 1.25 in here. So Romans 1.25 says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. So this is at the foundation of what sin is. This is right at the base foundation of, of the root. This is the, 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 the layer that starts all sin. All sin comes from exchanging love for God for a lie, love for the created things. So that's where sin starts. It's when you love the art rather than the artist. It's when you give credit and glory to the art rather than the artist, the creator. Okay? 
when you see when you see a house that you love and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and you think it's the most beautiful house you've ever seen you you don't stare at the house and say house you are just so glorious you're the most beautiful house I have ever seen. No, you'll ask the question. Everybody asks this question. You know it because you've done it. Who built this house? Who built this house? This house is amazing. This is a beautiful, stupendous house. This house is a reflection of their greatness as a builder, as a creator. Okay, I would like to know who the builder is. I want to get to know them. I want to see them. I want to talk to them. I want to to reflect on the beauty they created. In a sense, you want to praise them for their creation, not the creator. And see, that's what's so crazy about how, how sin started and worked and why it is such an abomination to God is that we rejected the creator and just ignored him completely and gave him no credit for his creation. And we just worship the creation instead. And it's a terrible abomination because all of creation is absolutely glorious and stupendous, but we have turned off and, and shut away the Creator, the one who brought it into existence from nothing. And uh, that's what a lot of this connects to. I went off down a different path, but that's how this connects here. The root of the righteous will never be moved. Root yourself in the Lord. Okay, verse 4. I'm going to move quick. I'm taking too long. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And see, this is not just this is not just saying that only women can do this. This is men too. Okay, you could put man in the place of this, but you got to remember Solomon, who was a man, is writing this, so he's thinking from his perspective here. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Uh, the crown in Hebrew is is linked to the name that we named our daughter Atara. It means crown. It's it's connected with the name Sarah. It's spelled the same way except you change the, the first um, the, the beginning of the word. So Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, and then Atara is A-T-A-R-A-H. Okay? So Sarah in Hebrew means princess. Atara in Hebrew means crown. And it gives the idea of blessing or covering, that you are blessed. If you wear a crown, you are blessed. It's where we get the term tiara from. A little girl would wear a tiara. It's based off the Hebrew word or name, atara. Okay? So, an excellent wife is the crown. So, my point in explaining that is this term crown literally means blessing. Okay, it means blessing. An excellent wife is the blessing, the, the, the gift, wonderful gift and blessing of God upon her husband. Wives likewise, okay? We could alternate there. But she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And that is so true. What a blessing when you have a godly marriage and a husband and wife loving each other. And they are the blessing for each other. It only strengthens them individually, right? It only makes them stronger. <laughs> it only makes them stronger. And then they have children and then they produce really strong children who are rooted in that foundation of that strong marriage um, where you have a man and a woman who are blessing one another. It, it just makes things better. Verse 5, the thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Remember down here in Romans 1.25, they exchange the truth about God for a lie. Okay? So, wickedness is always connected with deception and lies. And the great lie is that the creation 
is what is worth being being is worth being worshipped rather than the creator. That's the great lie. Okay? That's the great lie. The creation is more worthy than the one who created it. That's what this verse is saying here. That is the great lie and that is what the wicked does. That is what the counsel of the wicked. They're going to say, no, 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 no. Worship the world. Worship creation. It's more worthy. It's more worthy. The thoughts of the righteous are just. The thoughts of the righteous say, no, the creation's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it's only a reflection of the one who is truly wonderful and great. It is just the outpouring, the overflow of his greatness. And we want to know the creator more than just the creation. Verse 6 says, The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. Listen, the wicked, they focus on material things in the world, right? So they're going to take advantage of other people in order to get more of it for themselves. So they lie in wait for blood. That's the way it works when you love the creation more than the creator. But see, the mouth of the upright, the upright who know that God created everything and he is the one worthy of worship. And we, we're, we enjoy creation, but he gets the worship and he gets all the praise and glory and we surrender to him. See, the upright, they deliver people. They don't have to take anything from anyone because their greatest treasure is a relationship with God. They don't have to lie in wait for blood. If God is your greatest gift, if he is your gold, if he is your, your diamond, if he is your treasure, if he is the, the most important thing in your life, there's plenty of God to go around. You don't have to steal him from other people to keep for yourself. You don't have to deceive and be wicked and, and hurt other people and take advantage of them to gain more of God. You don't have to do that. There's plenty of God and he satisfies. He satisfies so much that you don't need the material things of the world. So you're not going to lie and wait and take advantage of people. You're going to do the opposite of that. Instead of taking from people to get more of the world, you're going to have so much overflowing from you in your rootedness in God, where you're rooted in. You're going to have so much extra nutrition from the, the source of strength in the ground that you're rooted in that you're going to produce fruit that then blesses other people and delivers them. It gives. You give rather than take. There's this complete, you know, you know, um, difference between the two. It's like it's like um, black and white. It's they're complete opposites of what happens. And so that verse, I really like verse six. There's why I added that one in. All right, I'm gonna stop. I'm sorry I went so long. I'm gonna stop. But God is good, and His word is good, and there's so much truth in this. There's just so much, um, so much truth. Have a wonderful and blessed day. Seek first the kingdom of God. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.